Welcome to week four of Blockbuster Season. This week has two big movies, two documentaries, and two many movies that will get crushed by the wave of big budget blockbusters. It's the week of May 26th, and this is Future Flicks with Billiam, episode 44. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. This is Future Flakes, like I said, and also, like I said, I am your host, Billiam. Sorry again for the late episode, but this week I have a really good excuse. I am suffering from a leg infection, which means I spent the two days I usually do recording and editing in bed with my leg up reading books. So hopefully next week this will all be over and we'll get back on track. But let me give you a little information on what I do in this show, just in case you're new. In Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Tumblr, as well as any podcast listening app, the Somewhat Nerdy website as well. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me at Twitter, at BilliamSWN. Email me, BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram, BilliamSWN there as well. So let's move on to our first segment, which as always is the news. And I can't believe I almost forgot. If you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you decided to tune in. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Good to see you again. Let's jump right into the news. We actually start with two sad stories. One of them is recent, while another is an update to an older story. The first one, Sir Roger Moore passed away on May 23rd after battling cancer. The James Bond actor was 89. He was in seven James Bond movies total, including A View to Kill and Moonraker. BBC News broke this story. Tragedy for Zack Snyder and family as his daughter, Autumn Snyder, committed suicide in March. He's temporarily stepping down from the Justice League post-production, and Joss Whedon has stepped up to fill the spot and will be directing some extra scenes that he wrote before the change in leadership. This according to The Playlist. In Critter Told You So news, because I think it was Critter who said this on either Somewhat Nerdy Radio or Watch Your Mouth, but the Resident Evil franchise is getting a reboot. Like Critter said, this is why you never name anything the final anything, because it's never going to be the final one. This time, we have James Wan at the helm, or at least as producer, uh, with Greg Russo. Juan and Russo have a total of three movies they're working on together. Resident Evil, which as of now is set to be a six-movie franchise. We also have Mortal Kombat and Robotech. I'm half shaking my head, half really excited. Because whatever James Wan touches turns to gold. But then Mortal Kombat and Robotech, and then also more Resident Evil, I'm really not sure about this. But it is James Wan. He does a great job at what he does, so we'll see where it goes. The good news is that this will be a completely new story, and the Alice story arc is done. Thank God. In other news, Sony knows what the people want, but instead they're giving us an Angry Birds sequel set for 2019. So yay. 
Speaking of sequels, Nerdist announced that Tom Cruise confirms that Top Gun 2 is on the way. Filming will start within the next year. According to The Wrap, Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, is joining the cast of Uncharted, playing a young Nathan Drake. This movie is directed by the man who produced Stranger Things, Real Steel, and Night at the Museum series. Also, when I said joins the cast, I should have said is the cast. He's the only one confirmed for it. Of course, if they don't pick the King of Nerds, Nathan Fillion, to play the role, they chose poorly. If you remember a while back, it was rumored that Mark Wahlberg was set for this role, and that had been true at one time, but that since fell through, and now we no longer have a cast except for Mr. Tom Holland. Jordan Peele hit big with Get Out, and his next movie is set for March 15th, 2019. The plot is being kept under wraps, but the movie is being released between two really big movies. The week before this next one is Captain Marvel. The week after is Godzilla King of Monsters. Let's hope this doesn't suffer the same fate as King Arthur, even though I have a feeling people will make a point to go see this. So I am calling it now. This movie will have a less than stellar opening weekend just because of Captain Marvel and Godzilla King of Monsters, but it will make it back in the weeks coming because everyone who saw Captain Marvel and Godzilla will then take time to go see this one. So it's going to have a bad opening weekend. Well, maybe not bad, but not as good as they hoped, and then make its money later. So I'm calling that right now. In very interesting news brought to us by Variety, just like the previous story, the Cannes Film Festival has one actor making waves. And you will never guess who, unless you're already familiar with the story. So go ahead, guess. I'll wait. That's me waiting. And I'm done waiting. That actor is Adam Sandler. But wait, these are good waves. His new movie, The Meyerowitz Stories, Meyerowitz, I believe that's it. The Meyerowitz Stories got standing ovations at the Holier Than Thou Festival. Netflix owns the movie, but with it being received this well, I expect this will actually get a theater release unlike the mediocre Sandy Wexler, which, if you haven't read it, check out my review on the Somewhat Nerdy site. The link will be in the show notes. A third story from Variety, Sam Mendes, director of Skyfall, American Beauty, and Road to Perdition, is in very early talks to direct Disney's newest addition to the list of live-action movies, Pinocchio. So we just saw Beauty and the Beast, Lion King and Aladdin are already in the works, and Pinocchio is going to be next. And finally, the most important piece of news of the week, Somewhat Nerdy's very own Critter is a year older as of the 22nd. So happy belated birthday to the star of two of my favorite podcasts. And with that, my friends, the news is over. So let's step into the trailer trove. Avast and welcome to the trailer trove. The Mummy has a final trailer now, and it still looks pretty good. I think trailer 2 was the best one because this one shows more of the plot. So if you don't like it when a trailer shows you too much, then skip this one. Just a heads up. Three new TV trailers dropped. The first one for Star Trek Discovery. It looks pretty good, though the cancerous YouTube comment section has other things to say, calling it liberal propaganda, because yeah, that's the only reason we'd have a black female lead. The liberal agenda. Ooh. The next TV show on the list that got a trailer? 
is Black Lightning. This is going to join the CW lineup of superhero-inspired shows. This one looks pretty good, so check out the trailer. And the third TV show, and far less awesome, is Young Sheldon. It just shows that the canker sore of a show, The Big Bang Theory, isn't going anywhere soon. Instead, they're just going to do a spin-off about an autistic kid that we can laugh at the problems his autism causes. Even though they would never come out and say that he is autistic, but we all know Sheldon is. Good for you, CBS. You're just garbage. There's a new drama coming out with Brie Larson and Woody Harrelson. It's called The Glass Castle, and if you watch the trailer, you've basically seen the whole thing. Some dirty, hippie parents live a vagrant lifestyle and take their kids along for the ride. One kid breaks away later in life and must confront her family before she gets married. This looks like Oscar bait, like someone saw Captain Fantastic and wanted a shiny gold statue. Finally, HBO has a movie coming out called Tour de Pharmacy, starring Orlando Bloom, Kevin Bacon, John Cena, James Marsden, Andy Samberg, Dolph Lundgren, Jeff Goldblum, J.J. Abrams, Danny Glover, Maya Rudolph, and Will Forte, to name a few. I did that on one breath. Good job, me. Um, this is a mockumentary about doping in the Tour de France and has a special guest some, I don't know, someone called Lance Armstrong, I believe. Maybe he's a drug expert or something. I, I really don't know. Uh, check out the trailer. It looks really good. All right, friends. So this week, we are going to start off with a very odd movie. Here's 52277. It's the story of filmmaker Patrick Reed Johnson growing up in Illinois and falling in love with sci-fi, which led him to become a filmmaker. This stars John Francis Daly from Waiting and was written and directed by Patrick Reed Johnson. So who is this man who got a movie about his life greenlit? Who is this man whose biopic should be watched by the masses? He's none other than the director of Space Invaders and Baby's Day Out. For those of you saying, who? Don't fret, I had to look him up too. He's been in the business since 1990 and has directed six movies. But if you're waiting for me to take a fat sh all over this movie, then you may be waiting a while. This looks interesting. It actually does. I don't give a flying f that this is about a real person. In fact, I'd be less skeptical about it if I thought it was fiction. But the fact is, this looks like a cute movie. The majority of the story is him making homemade films using cheap practical effects, but it also shows how Star Wars changed his life, so that part could resonate with quite a few people. It doesn't matter that we don't know this guy. It doesn't matter that he didn't grow up to be some award-winning visionary director. What matters is, is that his story, or at least the way he presents his story, is done in a charming and humorous way. I don't know who this guy is, but he makes an interesting movie about himself. But not interesting enough for me to put any effort into seeing, or for me to try and convince you to see it in theaters, or even at home. So if one day you see this somewhere, if it makes it to the obscure section of Netflix, Check it out. Other than that, 52277 gets a 5 out of 11. Next up this week is a movie called Berlin Syndrome. A woman is on a vacation when she has a passionate fling with a man in Berlin. After a few days, she realized she's unable to leave the apartment and realizes the passion the man shows for her is actually obsession. This stars Teresa Palmer from Lights Out and Max Rimmelt from Sense8. 
Okay, so basically this is a love child between Kiss the Girls and Misery, but without the leg breaking, I think. This actually confused me a bit, which could be good if that's what the movie was going for. It looks like it takes her a while to realize she's been kidnapped. She sleeps with him, wake up, and he's gone, finds out she can't leave because the door is barred and locked, and this happens a few more times, according to the trailer, before she tries to break a window and finds it's unbreakable. I know people are stupid. I work in retail. But do the creators of this movie really expect us to believe someone could be so stupid that they don't realize they've been kidnapped for a few days? Day one? I can see day one. She wakes up, the guy's gone, the door's locked, she can't get out. Maybe he's had break-ins before and he's just super cautious and forgot that she can't get out, that the door's locked from both sides. But day two, when the same thing happens, really? You don't know you've been kidnapped yet. This movie gets really creepy and things turn dark. This is what turns me off about this film. It looks like they're going to show the rape, just like Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes 2. This is unnecessary for any movie. You can imply it happening, show the aftermath and the victim's obvious trauma, and it will have the same effect of us hating the villain. All these filmmakers are doing when showing the rape actually happening is proving to us that they're sick and unnecessary. I could be wrong about that though, and the scene of the trailer I thought was rape could have been an anger bang. I don't know. What I do know is that this movie looks like something we've seen before, and even if it has Teresa Palmer in it, an actress I like, this still looks highly skippable. If it gets as violent as I think it does, then this is 100% skippable. It's not even worth your time. I cannot recommend you watch this even at home, even if I'm wrong about the sexual abuse. This still looks like a boring and played out idea. If this had come out years ago, an argument could be made to see it, but not now. Not when ideas like this have been around in movies for so long. Berlin Syndrome gets a 2 out of 11. Next up, future fans, are two documentaries. The first one is called Long Strange Trip. This is a documentary about the legendary band The Grateful Dead. I was never a huge fan of The Grateful Dead because I always hated hippies. Alright, that's not why I really didn't like them that much. I just wasn't a huge fan of them because they didn't strike a chord with me. It, not, when I listened to their songs, I just went, okay, that's good. I like it, but I never felt the need to go out of my way to buy their music or listen to it on purpose. I do appreciate it, but it's not my jam. Documentaries about bands are made just for fans, and only if you're a big enough fan of that band to see a movie about them. Lucky for these filmmakers, deadheads are crazy. Okay, not crazy. Juggalos are crazy. Deadheads are just obsessive. There we go. I think that's a much better comparison there. Am I right? I'm right. Of course I'm right. This does look like a well-put-together documentary using new interviews coupled with old interviews and concert footage. This film is also going to focus on the culture of the Deadheads and how the loyalists of them followed the band around. You know, I really can't imagine that following a band around. I have some favorite bands, Parachute, One Republic, groups like that, you know, kind of poppy rock. And they, those groups have never put out an album I hated. Every time I see them live, I have loved it. But I go and see them... And then I'm like, okay, time to go home. I never thought, you know what I should do? Is I should jump in my car and f follow them to their next show where they may play the same goddamn set. Of course, music culture is different now than it used to be. 
It really is. So not just the music has changed, but the culture behind the music. So this documentary is going to show us the culture behind the music of a time long past. In the end, you know if this movie is for you or not. For me, not so much. I may watch it out of curiosity if I find it online somewhere, but I will not make a point to see it. Long Strange Trip gets a 6 out of 11. The next documentary on the list, and the last movie before the break, is called Buena Vista Social Club. Adios. This documentary revisits the remaining original members of the Buena Vista Social Club, who were the main focus of the first documentary back in 1999. It's actually quite a f***ed up title. Y'all are almost dead. Adios. What are we going to call this movie about aging musicians? Let's call it Adios because they speak Spanish and they're probably not going to be around much longer. The first film was about a group of old musicians who stopped playing when Castro came into power and decades later were brought out of what was basically forced retirement and started playing again. Cuba got its music culture back and it exploded bigger than they thought. This movie is a where are they now sort of thing. Basically, who's still alive and out of those people who's still playing. Just like The Long Strange Trip, this looks like a well-shot and well-produced movie that'd be fun to watch, but guess what? Unless you're a huge fan of Cuban music or culture, and no, drinking a Cuba Libre while eating a Cuban sandwich doesn't count, so unless you're a huge fan, this is skippable. I bet anything one day I'll be browsing Netflix or channel surfing and come across this, and I'll watch it and enjoy it, but I don't care enough to go searching for it now. This is going to be a great look into a wonderful culture of music that not a lot of us know about. But still, do you want to commit time to find this and watch it? Probably not. But like I said, when this comes out on streaming or when it starts playing on TV somewhere, check it out. The Buena Vista Social Club, adios, gets a 6 out of 11. Alright friends, it is time for the first and only break, so stay tuned for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a square circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle. Someone right, welcome back. We have three movies left and we have the question of the week. So here we go with the next movie called Drone. Neo works for the CIA, flying drones and bombing terrorists. One day, unbeknownst to him, a family gets caught in the blast. 
Later, a man shows up at his door and takes him and his family hostage. The man turns out to be the husband and father to the deceased civilians. This stars Sean Bean from The Martian, Patrick Sabunugi from The Flash, and Mary McCormick from In Plain Sight. I am really torn about this movie. On one hand, it shows the effects of our war on terror. Innocents get killed, and it could send more people to join the enemies. So we take out the bad guys, which is good, but we hurt innocent people. Not all the time, mind you, but we do hurt innocent people, which is bad. But on the other hand, do we really need another movie with a Middle Eastern bad guy resorting to trying to bomb America, even if the general plot is plausible? And in this case, replace America with Americans. This is kind of like the Tuan storyline from Good Morning Vietnam meets The Ref. And I'm sorry that comparison was a stretch, but it was the first thing that came to my mind. If you remember, in Good Morning Vietnam, Tuan was the Vietnamese kid who uh, who Robin Williams befriends and finds out that he's one of the bombers or the people that's been working against the American military. And he does this because of the innocents killed in the Vietnam War. This is going to be a movie with no real good guys. I mean, Neil's family, the wife and kid, isn't bad, but they're side characters. They don't really fit into the hero antagonist frame. Neil is a bad guy because even though it was an accident, at least I believe from the trailer it was an accident, his action caused the tragedy for Amir. Amir is a bad guy because instead he is resorting to threatening Neil and his family with a bomb. While one can argue that he doesn't see any other way to get justice, that's still not the way to go about it. So thus, he's not good either. Of course, I have a theory with this. And here's my theory. There is no bomb. Amir wants to show that, that he can fulfill his mission without resorting to weapons unlike the CIA and thus Neil. So the suitcase he has that he says has a bomb is either empty or it has something in it that looks like a bomb or could be bomb comp components, but it's not set up. His end goal will be to tear Neil away from his family and to give him a hint at what Amir himself feels. We've seen this first idea a lot, where it's a real bomb and Neil is a bad guy, but Amir is just a bit worse. But we've only really seen my prediction in TV shows, in those awful procedural crime dramas. So it could be interesting to see in a movie. Sean Bean and Patrick, and I believe I pronounced his name wrong, so let me try again. Sebangui, I think that's a, I think I did a better job there. So both of them are good actors. Mary McCormick is too, but I think she plays a smaller role in this film, so it doesn't have as much to do with the, my prediction of this film as the other two do. The plot is not as old as, say, Berlin Syndrome is, but it's slowly getting there. The post-9-11 world put Middle Eastern terrorism on everyone's radar, including Hollywood's. Sure, we all knew about it before, so did Hollywood, but it became more topical than ever post-9-11. Storylines involving terrorism are slowly becoming cliche, and it won't be long until a movie comes out and we look back to Green Zone or Body of Lies or Drone and say, well, yeah, we've seen it already. It was called this. This doesn't look like a bad movie. It just doesn't have much to offer besides good actors. I've said it before, and here I go again. Good acting can save a movie, but if the film has nothing else to offer us, then not even acting can save it. Bring Marlon Brando and James Dean, Catherine Hepburn, and all those people back from the dead, throw them in this, they won't be able to do shit because there's nothing else to offer. Drone 
gets a 5 out of 11. Alright, so like I said in the intro, there are two big movies this week, and while I really want to see them both, I didn't want to cop out and have two picks for this week like I've done before. So which one made it to the top of the list? Well, I'll tell you which one didn't make it to the top. And that's Baywatch. Baywatch gets a new lifeguard, and he gets on the bad side of veteran lifeguard Mitch Buchanan. The two uncover a local criminal plot and do what any lifeguard would do. Investigate and try and stop the bad guys. This stars Dwayne Johnson from Fate of the Furious, Zac Efron from Neighbors, Alexandra Daddario from San Andreas, and Ilfensha Hedera from Billions. This is directed by Seth Gordon, who did Horrible Bosses and Identity Thief. Two of the six total writers are Thomas Lennon and Robert Ben Grant, who are both actors, producers, and writers on Reno 911. So this film was created by people who know their way around comedy very well. Baywatch looks stupid, and I love it. Here's something I didn't know. It's an actual Baywatch movie. Okay, duh, you may be saying, but I mean that these are the same characters from the show. Question is, is this show in canon? No, that's your answer. This is a comedy remake. So all of the main characters from the movie are main characters in the show, except for the goofy looking guy that's on the poster. He plays a character that was only in one episode of the show. And for some reason, they chose this guy to bring in. I don't know why, but I'm not going to question it. I'm, I'm really not. Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron are no strangers to comedy, and pairing them together is something I never knew I needed in my life until I saw the trailer. By now, my future fans, you know what to expect. Did you like 21 Jump Street? Office Christmas Party? The Interview? Any movies like that? Then you'll love this. You'll love the shit out of it. Here's what I don't want to hear. People crying about Hollywood's running out of ideas. Shut the fuck up. I used to be like you. I used to say stuff like that, and I would have told myself to shut the fuck up as well. There are a ton of original ideas out there, but you know what people drop money to see? Movies like this, a reboot, or the next movie on the list, a sequel. Face it, as much as movie lovers enjoy films like La La Land and Moonlight, we still line up to see Fate of the Furious, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Alien Covenant, all sequels. Hollywood will stop doing reboots and sequels when we stop watching them. And I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen because they do good jobs. These aren't movies that are amazing, that we're going to see get a lot of awards and critical acclaim. No, these are movies that you're going to go to because you just want to enjoy yourself. You're going to sit down and watch something funny and flashy that you just sit back and smile and enjoy. And you don't have to be thinking all the time because this isn't a thinking man's movie or woman. I'm sorry. Let's not make this gender specific. This isn't a movie you're go you go to because you really want to think hard. No, no, no. You go to this movie because you want to sit down. You want to just enjoy something. Eat some popcorn, drink some soda, and just zone out too. So as much as I truly love original stories in American cinema, I love movies like Baywatch too. There's nothing wrong with seeking entertainment, and just because it's not based off an original idea doesn't mean it's worth any less than any other film. But let's get back on track. I'm, I've calmed down a little. I took a sip of my Larry. Calming down a little. Baywatch looks stupid, but it's a stupid comedy with plenty of eye candy, which is close to the original, but the original was funny without meaning to be. 
If you see this, you're going to see a modern comedy with an impressive cast that has reliable people working on it. You're going to laugh. You're going to be able to sit down and zone out, just like I said. You're going to watch an entertaining movie that's going to be as challenging as a puzzle in Highlights magazine. I'm going to watch this. I will watch this. But if I have to pick only one movie to see this coming weekend, it's going to be the next one. Baywatch gets a 9 out of 11. Alright friends, you know what the pick is. This one is so big that even people who aren't fans of the series know it's coming out. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. A ghost from Captain Jack Sparrow's past comes to haunt him as the pirate searches for the Trident of Poseidon. This has a returning cast of Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, and Kira Knightley. But this also stars Javier Bardem from No Country for Old Men, Brenton Thwaites from Gods of Egypt, and Kaya Scodelario from The Maze Runner. I'm really, really surprised that this is my pick of the week because I really loved the first three Pirates movies, but I didn't care at all about the fourth one, so I still have never seen it. It just didn't excite me at all. It seemed boring. Of course, I'll watch it later. I may even watch it tomorrow or the next day sometime before I see it in theaters, but this one, this one interests me. And not just because they got one of the best actors of our time, Javier Bardem, to be in this but also because it just looks fun. This movie has completely new directors from the other ones. The first three had Gore Verbinski. Uh, the last one had Rob Marshall, who also directed Chicago, Memoirs of a Geisha, and Into the Woods. And this one has Joachim Ronin and Espen Sandberg. Two directors for one movie. So they could be one of those famous directing pairs. Actually, let me look. Let me look into this. Yep, yep, they're one of those pairs. The biggest movie they did before this was... Contiki, or probably Contiki. I've never seen that. Um, let me see. Other than that, Marco Polo, a couple episodes of the TV show Marco Polo. I don't know how these two were picked to direct this gigantic movie, but it looks like they did a good job. Looks like they knew what they were doing, so lucky for us. Since the first trailer for this came out, I was on board which is something that the previous movie couldn't do, but this one had me on board. The only thing I don't like about the trailers is that is that jumping of the shark, the quite literal jumping of the shark. So I hope this movie won't be a shark jump. And there's no real big reason I don't like it. I just think it looks stupid. So this movie is going to bring us back to some of the old characters we started with. Remember, because Jack Sparrow was originally a secondary character to Will Turner. He became the main character on On Stranger Tides, and now he's the main character in this one too. And this movie is different from Baywatch, Okay, obviously a lot of lot of reasons, but for the main reason I want to point out that Baywatch just looks like stupid fun. And this one looks like it has a good plot with really good actors in it doing their best. Well, maybe not their best, but passable enough to make me look at this movie and go, wow, they're actually trying. This movie, just like the ones before it, looks like it has impressive special effects, but this actually isn't one of the summer blockbusters that we go to to see big flashy visuals. This is one of the movies we go to to see the characters, to see Captain Jack Sparrow, to see Barbosa, Will Turner, and Elizabeth Swan. And apparently we're going to go see what happened with them, because not only are they back, but Brendan Thwaites plays Henry Turner. So my question is, is this the son of William Turner and Elizabeth Swan, and thus this taking place quite a few years after the original trilogy. 
that could actually be the case because Captain Jack looks the same, which apparently the last movie answered. A, a friend of mine told me that, that the last movie explains why he looks the same, but Barbosa does look older. And the scenes of the trailers I saw that had Will Turner in it, he's looking pretty barnacly, so maybe he's getting to that Davy Jones role pretty well. If this movie does well, if it is really good, then Pirates of the Caribbean will kind of have a Star Trek-esque pattern to it. The first movie is really good. The second movie is okay. I mean, it wasn't great at all, but it was, it was passable. Third one is really good. Fourth one, even though I didn't see it, a lot of people I know didn't really like it, thought it was really weak. This one looks better. So if they're doing a new trilogy, hopefully the next one after this one will be well, passable, just like Dead Man's Chest. And then if this new one really is the start of a new trilogy, then the final one will be great. I think another reason I really like this series so much is because we don't get pirate movies anywhere else. Pirate movies were kind of big back in the day of black and white movies. Even into the 90s, we got some. If you remember the Gina Davis movie, Cutthroat Island, but then they kind of fell out. There weren't a whole lot. And then Pirates of the Caribbean came out. And I remember at the time thinking that it was a stupid idea that how can you make a movie based on a ride? Disney has truly run out of ideas. God help us all. And then it turned out to be great. And I was like, holy sh**, this is a really good movie. Thank God Disney did this. Bless you, Disney, for you, for you have golden vision that turns rides into amazing movie franchises. Do Space Mountain next. And then they did Haunted Mansion and so maybe it's good they just stuck to pirates. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales looks really good. It has a great cast. The story seems pretty solid. The worst part about it still, in my opinion, is the over-the-top CG in some parts. It just isn't necessary. But that isn't really enough to take the score down. Even though these movies have never been full-on comedies like Baywatch is, they've have, they have always been tongue-in-cheek, adventure, action, with a little bit of comedy mixed in. That's exactly what you, you should expect going into this film. And it's very easy. It is very easy, because if you saw any of the previous ones and you liked them, then maybe this movie is for you. No, no, not even maybe. Then this movie is for you. And there's an easy way to figure out if it is or not. If you haven't seen the previous movies, just go find it. Oh my god, they're everywhere. I don't think any of the streaming services have them, but man, go just go buy one at Blockbu <laughs> Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> oh, Christ, I'm old. Go buy one at Best Buy or Amazon or ask a friend if they have it and borrow it. For God's sake, just do it. And then if you watch it, like it, then this is for you. If you've seen these movies before and you haven't liked it, then guess what? Skip this. But for everyone else, for me and everyone else who has been a fan of the series, despite what you think of the last movie, this is for you. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, gets a 10 out of 11. Alright friends, that was it for the movies this week, but before we get into the question of last week, and I give you the question for this week, there are actually two trailers that have dropped since I made my notes, so I want to talk about those really quick. The first one is the final trailer for Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, and it looks sick. And more than that... The song in the background for this trailer is a classical, epic rendition of Gangster's Paradise. I sh you not. Check out the new trailer. It looks great. And the second trailer, big one that has dropped since I made my notes, 
is the third trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming, and the more I see about this, the more I can't wait. I do think they reveal more about the suit in this one and how teched up it is thanks to Tony Stark. I do think that's kind of stupid, but I don't give a sh The movie looks amazing. It's gonna be great. Check out that trailer. But let's get into the question of the week. We only have one answer this week, and it's from Dan. Dan from the Watch Your Mouth podcast. So if you don't remember, the question of the week is, what is your favorite alien species in a movie? And Dan answered, Predator. He added, Yautja, Y-A-U-T-J-A, means predators. Because thanks to the Xenopedia, I just looked this up. I am ashamed to say I didn't know this. That is the humanoid race that we know as predators and for me this question actually took a little while to answer i know i came up with the question but then i had to think like what is my favorite alien race and it has to be the borg i know i know technically they came from a tv show first but wait for it the borg were in star trek first contact one of my favorite movies of all time so dan's pick predators are known as a nigh unstoppable race of warriors and the borg are a nigh-unstoppable race of cyborgs who want to assimilate all matter and turn everything into Borg. Well, those were the answers for last week's question of the week, so it's time for the next question. I couldn't think of a pirate-themed question, but I sat here thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean for a while, and it came to me. Pirates of the Caribbean has a great classical score, one that is easily recognizable. So my future fans, here is your question of the week. What movie or movie series has your favorite classical score? To answer, leave a comment either on SoundCloud or the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page, or hit me up on any of the ways I'm going to talk about in the housekeeping. Also this week, I am going to be releasing a Alien Covenant review, not a podcast, just because I didn't care about the movie enough to make a podcast about it. It's going to be on the Somewhat Nerdy website, so keep an eye out there. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to say, without any spoilers, the movie was very disappointing. Let me just tell you this. If you really liked the idea of something that harkens back to Alien, like in the previews, when they show the, the main woman alone on the ship or even with other people on the ship running from the alien if that's what you liked about it if you were excited for a survival horror type situation don't hold your breath i found the movie to be highly disappointing and not worth a theater trip for my full review and the score check out somewhat nerdy within the next few days but that is it for this week my future fans so it is time for the housekeeping you can find me on itunes SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I'd love five stars because that's what iTunes pays attention to. And the more stars we get, the more stars the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network gets, the bigger chance that we will be on the new and noteworthy section and we will get even bigger, but it all starts with you. So pretty please leave a five-star review. Also leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, BilliamSWN. Instagram, Tumblr, BilliamSWN there as well. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. 
And be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And never forget that the Watch Your Mouth Podcast is a fantastic weekly podcast. And also the Uncourt Gamers, another great weekly podcast. So check them out. Give them all the listens and all the stars. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.